and Good morning, party people, and welcome to Disrupt You, where we talk about disrupting higher education, how Gen Z is disrupting the world, and how millennials are disrupting the workplace. My name is Lachey Mathis, and I'm a life coach. Hello, and I'm the co-host, Dr. Dustin York. I'm an associate professor of communication and marketing. All right. So you're like, what do you do as a life coach, Lachey? So I work in student success at my university, which means I help with professional development, personal development, and academic advising for students. So I get to work hands-on with Gen Z students all the time, as well as students when they graduate, like millennials going out to the workforce. Dr. Dustin York, what have you been seeing in the classroom a lot lately when it comes to Gen Z? Yeah, I'm, Lachey, I'm telling you, this is a unique time. This is a unique time, definitely during the pandemic, where we the goal line is is definitely shifting, right? We see Gen Z having a gap year at a higher yeah. rate. I think that's something interesting we'll see long term. What do you think of gap year? Are you for it, against it? What do you think? So for my thing for gap year, I wish that it was like something that had to happen in a certain way. Like, mm. not like I'm going to travel to Europe. Like, I think that's very cool too. But I think, did you ever, did you ever read The Giver when you were growing up, like in school? Did you have to read that book? I, I don't. I, I probably did, but don't remember. I wasn't a very good student okay. when I was a little. <laughs> well, it's all right. It worked out for you. So, um, in the giver, they like assigned a job, and I'm not saying that we have to go around assigning people jobs, but I wish that it was like, what's a career that you're interested in? And if you're like, I think I want to be an interior designer, then for that gap year, maybe you get to spend that time intentionally working in interior design instead of like traveling to Europe for the year. You could also travel to Europe if you wanted, maybe as an interior designer there. But I think to be able to see, is this really what I want to do long-term rather than just diving straight into your career, you get a little bit of time to kind of check it out. So I would love to see if maybe Gen Z did some cool stuff like that moving forward. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is an opportunity for us and really higher ed to look at this moment and say, do we need to stick to the regular time perimeters that we have for the last yeah. hundreds of years, right? For that sure. You come in as an 18 year old and you do an internship, your senior, like what? do an internship your high school year, do, you Absolutely. know, um, uh, build that process at no specific time perimeters. Mm-hmm. College shouldn't take four years. If you don't want it to take four years, right. you don't have to wait to get real world experience until you're a senior. It doesn't Absolutely. have to end when you're a senior, right? You, you should be able to get education throughout. So I think this is an opportunity for us to kind of look at ourselves in the mirror, right? Yeah. And say, do we really need to stick to these time parameters? Yeah. And I, and I've been working with my first year students and I've been doing this for a while. And I tell them, you don't have to wait until you're a junior to go to a career fair. Just like Mm -hmm. when you're in high school, you don't have to wait until you're a junior to go to a college fair. If you want to go to a career fair early on, you're able to do that. Um, I think they're a little bit afraid though, of just putting themselves out there and making those networking and those connections really early. And I'm, I'm a little worried when it comes to the pandemic, we're not getting that in-class experience. They're not getting to go to maybe the welcome back picnic at a, um, or the back to school parade or whatever your, a university does. And so they're not making those connections. So I am a little bit worried when they go into the workforce, what that's going to look like for them. Mm-hmm. And when it goes, when it, it, I think that comes on us a little bit, right? Yeah. To prepare them for that, no matter where they're coming to us, right? Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of people are saying, hey, this is a bandage right? Let's put a bandage over this weird time and things are going to go back to normal someday. It's not going to go back to normal someday. It's (laughs) right. right? So we need to be building things, right? To support students inside, outside the classroom, because it's not just going to miraculously be over someday and we can now Mm -hmm. open our eyes, right? Yeah. Whether that be Zoom's not going away, 
right? Or virtual. And it may not be Zoom, but virtual that we're going to be offering that forever Mm -hmm. because students, some students love it, right? Yeah. And it helps them balance what you're saying with that work-life balance, with Mm -hmm. family things that come off. I remember the past, I've had a student that has, you know, just would be MIA. I find out a month later that they had to go back home because their mother was ill. Yeah. What if they were able to just jump onto their computer or their phone, mm-hmm. right, right, at this time and still be part of that class? It wouldn't right. disrupt their, you know, professional journey, their academic journey. Um, how do you see that from the outside of the classroom? From like what you're seeing, I mean, from my side, I see this the classroom, right? This right. multiple forms of classroom is not going to go away, right? Right. Outside the classroom, how do we support students that maybe in Minnesota one week, back on campus the next week, maybe get a job and move all the way across the country? How do you yeah. support that? So I think my biggest thing is, um, so as my role as a life coach anyways, I am trying my best to just check in with my students at all times and just kind of asking intentional questions instead of just like, hey, how are you doing? Right, that's great. But also like asking like, what have you been getting involved with? Who are you connecting with on campus? Um, Because that has been difficult. Like I have students this semester that have been living in California and did all their classes virtually. Um, And so they attended some, you know, virtual campus events and in the spring, well, not this spring, but in the fall, they're hoping to be able to come to campus and really have that experience with other people. but I've just really been like, okay, so have you made any connections? And they're like, yeah, like I made like a couple of friends. And so they'll FaceTime instead of Zooming, even though they are still both screen time, FaceTime feels more relaxed and more chill than being like, oh, let me hop on a Zoom call for our friendship time, right? Because <laughs> you can just FaceTime somebody, maybe you're at the store, maybe you're at Target and you're like, hey, what do you think of this? I'm going to FaceTime you in. I'm not going to be like, hey, Dustin, let me call you at Target so we can Zoom about this, right? <laughs> so I see like making sure that they have like those connections, but I think you're right. Like, I think we have such an opportunity when it comes to being in this virtual format. But my concern is that some schools are gonna be like, I don't wanna budge. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I think that you have to be in the classroom in order to have a takeaway. Like I have friends that have, are working at current institutions and their institutions are like, we need to go back to normal. Like you said, um, what do you see that being the future of schools that you know are like, we don't wanna budge. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing. Think about this. Those institutions that you're talking about, their future students came mm-hmm. from high schools and grade schools where they were on Zoom. Those yeah. schools aren't going to change. Those should stu- those schools are going to adapt and be used because mm-hmm. those students at very early ages got used to this, right? There's right. no more snow days, right? You go on Zoom. I hope there are still snow days. I hope no that more. I hope that okay. I hope that you have a daughter, so I hope. There are snow days no and your kids get to just go sled down the hill. If I was principal, there would still be a snow day. Okay. <laughs> principal Lachey says snow days will still be a thing. Zoom. Let, them, let them live their lives. <laughs> live your life. Okay. All right. So we, I think we just, and I think as the show goes along, right. I think there's our first show. We'll talk, we'll dive even deeper in this Gen Z. Is that the plan Lachey? Yeah, absolutely. And just figuring out, you know, different ways to keep them connected and making whether it's through networking with um, jobs and internships, I definitely want to figure out, you know, other unique ways that we can help our students. Cause I'm seeing a lot of my students just immediately check out mm-hmm. uh, because they're maybe they're scared or they're overwhelmed. And so my job is how do we find a balance for Gen Z, right? They grew up with technology. So how do we help encourage, Hey, we know that you love to TikTok. 
but how do we help you TikTok into the workplace, right? And how do we help you TikTok into education? I'm not saying that every class needs to be, okay, this is our TikTok dance. Like, let's not, let's not overdo it. Um, but if we could figure out ways to help Gen Z like meet in the middle, I think that would be really great um, when it comes to higher education. Lachey, if you want me to do the savage dance while discussing my syllabus, I'll do it for you. That's what <laughs> I, you're I saying. Think- I think that we should maybe do a trial and see like how adaptable it goes over. Maybe actually maybe syllabus week should just turn into different TikToks. Maybe that's all you do is you send your TikTok as a syllabus and like, these are my rules. And then you're like, I'm a savage. Uh, I, you're in your lurk in late. I'm not taking it. <laughs> so whatever, you, whatever your combination is, you guys can't see me, but I am doing a lot of choreography. All right. But so we talked about Gen Z a little bit today. Let's go ahead and dive into we talked about the future of virtual hybrid classrooms, but what I'm also interested in is you have always had to live in the city that you work in, in higher education. Unless you were maybe an admissions counselor that lived um, like in a certain state for recruitment purposes. Um, But besides that, maybe a couple adjunct faculty, but what do you think it looks like for, you know, staff and faculty to live other places that maybe you're not, if, like we're in St. Louis, but maybe I want to live in Minnesota. How do you think that's going to be a balance? What do you think that's going to change within office dynamics for higher education? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, it's going to scale talent, the best Mm. of the best of whatever your position is. If it's teaching, if it's supporting students, we're going to be able to scale you where I no longer have to, okay, you may be, you know, the best in Cape Girardeau, but there's a better than that. And that person could be in New Mexico or whoever right. that, that person, that, that place is. So I think, you know, there's obviously a, a cap to how many students you can help, right? Mm-hmm. However, yeah. Lachey, if you're saying you're the best at supporting students with these life goals, these life hurdles they're facing, we, mm-hmm. we give you AI to support it, right? Because if we're bumping you to a hundred students to a thousand students, you can't do that with time. Put AI on top of that machine learning to support that and then let you do what you do best, right? Yeah. And is that conversation, is that critical thinking component? I think that, I mean, and in the classroom the same way, right? How can I use AI to support individual learning assessment feedback, but allow mm-hmm. the creative brainstorming, the in-class exercises there's no reason there can't be a thousand students, but make it feel like it's a class of 30. Right. right? I think that's a game changer and something that we're definitely going to see um, within these last few, these, these couple years coming up. And this isn't something 20 years. What do you think? So you were team AI, you were team like cars driving themselves. You guys don't know that about Dustin, but I'm just like letting you know, Dustin, was this a prediction that you made this year for your like 2021? 20, Did you predict more AI taking things over? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So you guys also don't know this, but um, every year Dustin kicks off the year with, these are my predictions. I think last year, how many did you get? All right. 14 out of 20 or something wild. Yeah. 14 yes. of 17. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Hopefully so, this year as well. <laughs> so apparently Dustin's a wizard. So, I mean, you know, take it for what it is, but no, I agree. I think that there is, I mean, I'm interested to see, when it comes to using AI technology, I'm not as well versed as you are. You are the, the king of figuring out those pieces, but I'm interested to see what parts of people's jobs can change. I think when you look at millennials, um, especially, we do not want to stay always at the same job because I think we get bored. I had dinner with a friend recently 
and they were like, you know, I woke up and I went to work and then I came home and I was like, is this it? And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. And I, they're like, I mean, I like my job, but like, is this all there is? And so I think allowing to have staff and faculty that live all over, it gives your staff and faculty the opportunity to whether it be more time with their families, everybody, like all those commercials that came out at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was like spending time with their families, cooking around the dinner table. But also like, for me, like I want to keep dancing. I've danced my whole life listeners, just so you know. And so I've auditioned for a couple NFL teams. If I wanted to move to where that NFL team was to make once I made a team and I could still do my job, like I would be more fulfilled in maybe a sense. This is just an example because I could get to do some dance things. I get to do a job that I love. So I get to do two things at once. Cause you know, St. Louis doesn't have the Rams anymore. Sad face. Um, but maybe, you know, it gives people another opportunity that they don't have to just stay. And I think you're so right. And so spot on about scaling the talent, but then I, I think it also gets a little, a little more difficult when you prepare to apply for jobs because you're like, man, I'm not just competing against local people now. So what are some tips you think to help people stand out once the, the pool gets bigger of applicants. Yeah, I think it's going to change your mind. I think right now is that time everyone's craving for more and more remote, mm-hmm. right? I think there's a downside, right? We have obviously the upsides, right? Less yeah. commute, which is more family time, cheaper yep. lunches, right? I yes, mean, cheaper, absolutely. Right? There's a lot of benefits for sure. Yeah. I think there, we got to be cognizant of the negatives, right? Yeah. If you're a VP of an organization, that, you know, and it's not Google a VP of a traditional organization, a higher ed organization. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you really see a VP being remote? Probably not. I don't. So if you yeah. say, I want to be a VP someday, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be tough. I see. And the entry level positions, I also, I highly dis, I wouldn't encourage it because that, that rise the ladder approach is going to be much slower, just generally. Right. right? Now that mid tier, yeah. when you're like young families, absolutely. Mm-hmm right? Then you can kind of pivot over to remote. And then right. if you want to come back to that VP level, kind of pivot back. But right. when you say about how do you differentiate yourself? I'm going to give a plug right now. LinkedIn. All right. LinkedIn, <laughs> yes. LinkedIn, LinkedIn. I you believe, are team LinkedIn. You have I such believe, a strong LinkedIn account. Yeah. I believe the resume is going to die within five years. I love my resume. So that's really upsetting. It is like very fun. It is very me. There's a hand waving on it. It's very fun. (laughs) Hey, bring that energy to LinkedIn. (laughs) I know I need to. Hot tip, bring LinkedIn to your future. You heard it here first. Because here's (laughs) the thing. I'm not saying, Lachey, you do this, but you know that friend who over-exaggerates on their resume, (laughs) right? Yes. Yes. LinkedIn, people don't do that because they get called out on their BS, right? Yes. They get called out if they're on LinkedIn. It's so too public. Yep. Yeah. I think that is the differentiator. When we go to all, when we go more remote opportunities, your mm-hmm. LinkedIn better be stellar and showing stuff, not just fill it mm-hmm. out, but like show examples, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think it's a great point. I think when you mentioned entry level, that makes me think back to Gen Z again mm-hmm. and thinking about they've been virtual for all this time while they want to do a job like that when it figures out for connections. So I think that's something we can definitely dive more into as we Mm -hmm. keep going. But our last part of the day in the conversation is our hot tip for millennials in the workforce. So Dr. Justin York has a wonderful way of helping you learn how to renegotiate your salary. Me personally, none of my college classes were like, here's how to make more money. They were just like, (laughs) Here's the skills you need, go get a job and boom. 
And so um, today let's dive into what it looks like to renegotiate your salary, but let's specifically look like what it looks like in higher education. Um, So what are, you said they're tangible steps, correct? Tangible steps that we can do. All right. What are the tangible steps that we need to do to make more money as millennials in our jobs? I love it. I love it. So these are my, our millennials working higher ed right now yes. thinking, hey, first of all, you know, you could have, right? We have to be very clear right now. You could have made more money in the corporate world. You decided to come to higher ed because Correct. you wanted to support education, right? So, yes. but at that same time, doesn't mean you shouldn't negotiate. Sometimes I hear that sometimes. Well, I, I'm choosing to support students and do this. You know, I, I shouldn't negotiate or I shouldn't renegotiate. Right. No, you should 100% be renegotiating. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about, you know, the whole step-by-step on negotiating a, a, a new job. So maybe we'll cover that in another episode, but let's say you're already in the position, right? Yep. Here's the issue. Here's going to be the, the straight white male mansplaining for a second. Okay. At 30. I think, wait, let's take a TO. I appreciate that you put that out to the universe. Let everyone know where we're coming from. Keep going. <laughs> At 30, right, we have seen, fortunately, we have seen statistically in the United States that the pay gap has basically come together until 30, right? So early mm-hmm. positions, first positions, we haven't seen this. But at 30, we still see the women making 77 cents to the dollar of their male mm-hmm. counterparts. That's why renegotiating is essential. Absolutely yeah. essential. So we got to do it. Um, yeah. And this is my way of thinking. Right. This isn't a textbook. Let's say this is, you know, Dr. York's uh, golden rule every yep. three years, every three years, every three years. If you haven't had a uh, promotion, which isn't a bad thing, you shouldn't be, be not saying you are going to be promoted every three years. But I'm saying right. if there hasn't been a promotion in three years and you're still happy, you still want to, you're crushing your job, you're enjoying mm-hmm. it. Something in your head said, okay, this is about the time, right? This is about the time because you don't negotiate, renegotiate every year. Don't be that person. right? Don't be that person whatsoever. You renegotiate every three years. And this is what I always say is what's the worst is going to happen. I I feel that too. The worst thing they're going to say is no. And you say, okay. You're (laughs) the same boat that you were in, right? Right. So they're not going to come to you, right? Lachey and say, um, what, what's that? You, you want a 15% raise? Actually, you know what? You're fired. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, I think that mental side of it, right, is, hey, uh, promoting yourself, right? And there's a lot of ways to do this, a lot of tactics. I want to give you, I want to give you one uh, on, this, on this episode. And maybe in another future episode, we can do a, a step-by-step. Put on your calendar, like literally put on your calendar at the end of every single month the last working day or the last Friday of the month, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna make a template email, right? A template email with all of your KPIs, right? Key performance indicators. Now everyone's Thank different, you. right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's different. Admissions, yeah. it's pretty clear, right? It's leads. Mm-hmm. Life coaches, it's how many uh, issues did you solve? Yep. Right. When students come to you, you don't send them, oh, I'll connect you with someone else that, that right? right. How many things can you get done? As been, right. what, what are those KPIs for you specifically? Um, and you make a template email and you send to your boss every month bullet points, right? We're not going to write a, a paragraphs, stories, bullet right. points of the things you've done, mm. right? It could be 17 students I helped with this. It could be I helped Sarah Smith you know, prepare right. for her job interviews and help send that every single month, what you did, because here's the thing, 
right? We like to think that our bosses know what we're doing. They don't. Lachey, no. if I'm, if I, if not in a mean boss, way. They got a lot to worry about. Yeah. Not, yeah. It's not shots at them. Lachey, if you're my right. boss, you're trying to get a promotion too, right? You want to raise too. You're right. fighting for yourself. Everyone has a boss. Absolutely. So assuming you know everything I'm doing and that you're just going to support me one day because of it is it's not reality. So right. every month you're going to shoot this email to your boss, everything that you've done. Now you're not going to ask for anything, right? Mm-hmm. Now just think. If you send this email every month for a year, right? What does that do for you? It, it is your evaluation. Perfect. <laughs> right? So when you're so I always forget what I do at the end yeah. of the year. And this is perfect. So I, and I can look back and be like, here's stuff that I did. Because by the time December hits, I'm like, wait, what was I doing in January? Oh, living through a pandemic. Sorry, I forgot. Like, <laughs> and so now it's very, it's very simple and put out. I think that's a really great point as well. Yeah. So it, it comes yeah. to you to look at what you, you know, when you renegotiate, it gives you tactical things to look at and it primes your boss, right? right? When you do renegotiate, it's not out of the blue. Like, oh, I got to figure out what you did the last year. Then I get a little defensive if I'm the boss. I'm like, right. oh, renegotiate is the easiest thing for me to just like to squash it out. Mm-hmm. But you've primed me for a year or right. however many months, right? Saying all these things. And I've seen that this is above average that you're doing. Yeah. So absolutely. Man, Play the long well, this game. Is like a, well, and this is like a great time to start doing that. I don't know when everybody's like fiscal year starts, but it's January. I don't know if you held any New Year's resolutions, New Year's goals, New Year, New Me, whatever you say. But this is something great to kick off with. Like if we're wrapping up like the, the, fir- the first month of the new year. Like think about what have you done? What have I accomplished? When was I living my best life? Um, and, and don't be afraid to brag on yourself. I think also like from this perspective of, being a woman, like, I think it's really hard sometimes to be like, yeah, like I did do that. Sometimes you're like, well, that's my job. Okay. Well you still did it and you showed up and you showed out. So like, don't be afraid to put that out to the universe. I think sometimes as new employees, we get too nervous to send out something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we're like, my boss is going to hate me. Right. <laughs> and, and really your boss, it's, your boss probably wants to see, yeah. Like, what are you doing? Well, cause I don't know. So no, I think that's great. Any other hot tips, anything worth the hype that we need to leave the people with today? Yeah, I think, man, to drive this home, well, I think you made a great point. For, like, you know, bragging about yourself, what's my boss going to think? Your boss is going to love it because their boss is going to go to their boss and say, look how great of a boss I am. My employees are doing this, right? They're going <laughs> right. to love it because you're giving them the opportunity to basically humble brag on themselves and their managing right. skills. Um, so I think that's big. I love what you said about the new year's resolutions, right? Mm-hmm. Because I do hear that is I hear sometimes where, cause we do like networking, like how do we show up to like networking events? I hear sometimes mm-hmm. like Dr. York, I get it, but I'm an introvert, right? Maybe that's easier for some people, but it's not for me. I love yeah. what you said about new year's resolutions because you can email the first time you send it, because I think the first time is kind of weird. Like you said, yes. right? Like it's going to come out of the blue. Literally yeah, just this say, is going to feel organic. Yeah. Yeah. It's my new year's mm-hmm. resolution to track my professional growth. Yeah. I don't need a reply back from this. I'm just going to send you these every month. Yeah. Boom. It's a good time. I didn't even think of that. Let's say new year's resolution. Kick I didn't think that. of it either. It just popped into my brain and actually I'm going to do, it. I'm nervous myself, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to report back my findings. Maybe there won't be anything, but then maybe come April or something, you're like, you know what, Lachey, I really enjoyed that. So I'm going to, I'm going to live what we are speaking of today because you've already done it before. Now it is my turn to live that experience as well. I so, love it. I love yeah. it. What's the worst that can happen? Exactly. They're just going to be like, thank you 
for showing us why you're a rock star. <laughs> and you, you asked for one last thing. Here's my last thing for, for this. Last I, thing. I, I, I believe in this. I believe in this to my core that you work 110%, right? That's a cliche thing, but why? There's always at some point career-wise, especially millennials are feeling this, a lot of age ranges are feeling this, where uh, why should I keep working so hard? They're not appreciating it, right? I, mm-hmm, I get burned yes. out. I start phoning it in a Retweet. little bit. Yeah. So this is the thing. Still work 110. This is why. One or two things are going to happen. I believe this. One or two things are going to happen. Either one, your employer does realize it because you're telling them through these emails, mm-hmm. right? They see it, they support you, they reward you for that. Yep. Or the second thing, you have this history of collecting this data that then can be used for another employer. Another Absolutely. employer will see this when they ask you what you've been doing. You have a history. It's not like, oh, I've done stuff the last year. You have right. these emails that you can go back to as well. Absolutely. I think this is great for also millennials to also just remind themselves of what they've done as well. Cause you're exactly right. They want to, they want to know what they've done as well. So that is all for our first episode today. Thank you so much for coming and disrupting with us. I am Lachey Mathis. I am Dustin York. We'll see you next week. Bye.